0: To another episode of uh, Generally Assembled, your favorite Pennsylvania House Republican podcast. Um, I'm Jason Gottesman, joined by Neil Lesher, and guess who? Who? Representative Jesse Toppler. That's yes, right. <laughs> Toppler. Yeah. F- thank yeah. you, Fair
1: Districts, for not even getting my name right when you try and criticize me in your tweets. Yes. Well, our longtime listener Ruth from Bedford is going to be very excited. Yes. That's right. Well, listen, I heard. I heard when you guys replaced me with Shemul a few weeks ago it was a disaster. So I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to be back. Well, I don't know and, if that uh, was because you weren't here or because I wasn't here. Oh my gosh, both <laughs> I of us personally attacked. <laughs> 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 oh. Yeah, no, I, I'm back. I uh, feel good. Uh, we were at the farm show this week, and, um, you know, always great to go to the farm show, even though attendance is down this year.
2: Yeah, Farm Show Week, also known as Jesse Topper's District, comes to Harrisburg.
1: That's right. Yeah, I, I've always... Look, we have never... This is the first week we've ever... Or first year that I can remember that we were ever in session during the Farm Show. I would always come down, because I do. I have a lot of my district is there as vendors, or or the kids are showing the animals this year. You know, it's disappointing to see the, the numbers, but I'm glad at least they're able to do it. Um, made my way through the food court, and uh, I can break that down if, yeah, if let's, you wish. I Yeah, mean, let's mean, talk about it. So, so the first thing, you got to... Uh, understand this year they had black raspberry milkshakes. First time uh, that I've ever seen the the dairymen have not just vanilla and chocolate, which I used to do the combo of vanilla and chocolate, uh, but I'm a black raspberry fan. I did black raspberry, and then tonight when we go... Uh, I'm going to do the black raspberry and the chocolate together because I think that's a fantastic combination. So uh, that's what we're going to break down tonight. We'll see how that goes. Of course, the the fried cheese cubes always a must when Every you're there, year. and then also a visit to the PA mushroom stand. And this year I got the porta nachos, which are the nachos with instead of meat, they have portabellas chopped up with the with the barbecue sauce. So do so you eat that with your hands or with a fork? I ate, I ate it with a fork um, this this time, but. So those are and I you know, I think those are the must stops and then we'll see what we do tonight
0: when we go interview the Secretary of Agriculture. Well when I was when I was there for believe it or not the first and only time two years ago, um I know that's shocking, but I have trout trout chowder. Yeah, 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 that's that's good.
2: good. The chowder's good. Um the other thing too, I mean you can't leave out the potato
0: donuts. That's right.
1: Potato donuts. I, I, I did not do that. I'm on a little bit of a as you can hear by what I'm describing eating. I'm on a little bit of a weight watch uh, routine right now. So, clearly. I, mean, I I had, right I clearly. <laughs> so, I I am ha- going to hold I held off on the donut, potato donut until tonight. Okay. So, I didn't get, yeah, you know, spread the, only, out. The, spread only out thing, the carbs. That's right. The only thing I'm going to double dip on are the milkshakes. Is it possible
0: to do a keto diet at the farm show? No. <laughs> I mean, not unless you want to be miserable.
1: Yeah, I guess, but. I, mean, listen, I don't The uh, farm show I comes would, once a year. You know, you know, I like mean, the farm show comes keto once diet a year. I don't want to be miserable. Yeah, and well, that's fair. You know, But the farm <laughs> right. show comes once a year, and when I go to the farm show, I'm going to eat the farm show stuff, and then the, I can be good the rest of the time.
2: Right. New Year's resolutions start yeah. after the farm show.
1: Well, no, yeah, I, I started. I got sure. kicked, listen, I kicked off on January 1st, lost, you know, lost 10 pounds, I'm feeling good, got back on my workout routine, but this is the time for fried cheese and, and uh, potato donuts. All right, good. Yeah, This is,
0: it's, it's your cheat week. <laughs> yes, <laughs> at least for two days, yes. Yeah. Um, so well, speaking of cheating, let's yeah. talk about, <laughs> let's talk let's about, about gerrymandering. That's a great hey, transition. transition. Help, help. Help. Um, <laughs> all right, excellent. Um, so you were the uh, focal point of an article written by uh, Selena Zito in the Post-Gazette, really with a focus on how this map tears apart local communities and you know you hit that so well why don't you just offer your, your sure your thoughts? and
1: you know just to be very clear I you know I know the fair district sent out a tweet for of course maybe they were just criticizing representative toppler and not topper but he said well look at his district I, I've been very clear it doesn't affect my district in a negative way in terms of first of all I don't consider it my district it's the 78th district it's the people's district but that's that's not what this is about what it is about is trying to gain control of the General Assembly through redistricting, which this, what the minority leader said she wanted to do, and in fact this is coming true now, um, with this, with this map, or at least attempting to. It's really about the communities they're splitting together, not just even in the rural areas, but look at the cities, look at the urban areas, look at what they've done to Reading, look at what they've done to Harrisburg. These are communities that they are splitting up their representation, and they're doing it for political gain, which is the very definition of gerrymandering. And I'm so tired of hearing, quote, fair districts talk about what's fair. It's never been about what's fair. This group has always been a highly partisan, left-wing, agenda-driven group, and it has been no more clear than them coming out and saying that somehow these maps are are exactly the way they should be. They're not. They split communities. They split county. What they've done down in Bucks County is a disaster. Um, Uh, and they need to be called out for it and and that's what i i felt like i was doing with with that article um in the pittsburgh post because that wasn't about my district or the 78th district it was about what it's been doing to the state
0: yeah and i think i think one of the the really interesting things is you know when you look at these rural communities um, you know, the, the way that maps are drawn, they're all about priorities. You don't have to draw them, uh, any particular map any certain way. You draw it a certain way mostly because it reflects the priorities of how you want the map to go. And this map takes apart rural communities in a way that doesn't make sense and i think the prime example that actually has been taking up a lot of space on the public comment portion of the lrc has been the juniata valley where it's been represented that way for 50 years it's juniata and a portion of mifflin together you know i know selena made a good point in her article about saying how when you're taking away uh, where a state representative has been in a rural community for generations. When you take away the expectation of the local government governmental entities there that have been able to plan and, and develop things based upon having a single voice in the state legislature, mm-hmm. you're disrupting the, the agreement between the voters and the public and the elected officials. And I think that's the key. It's not about any particular legislator. We come and go, right. like we do. And the
1: Juniata Valley, there will be a new legislator. It's it's not about saying, well, you have to keep that particular legislator Tore safe Correct. It's saying that community has had a voice, and it's had a strong voice because it's been represented by a single representative. Right. That's what it's about. Sure. It, you know, people who are saying it's about well, they, they want to protect incumbents, they want to protect their buddies. No, listen. Again, legislators come and go. There, there was a, I had a predecessor in the 78th District. I will have a successor, and there will be many after that. It's not about Jesse Topper. It's not about John Hershey. It's not about uh, you know, Todd Stevens. It's not about legislators. It's about being represented by the whole. And when, when the chancellor tries to justify it by saying, well, I'm trying to make seats competitive actually he's taken some of the most competitive seats and made them uncompetitive the other way right. right there's no more competitive seat than than Montgomery County the right. seat that now representative Stevens represents you just took and tried to make it so uncompetitive that that a republican would never have a chance to win there Well, actually so that, this, that's
0: not about being competitive the only thing that this map makes more competitive or it tries to make more competitive is the vote board on the floor of the house of representatives that's because correct. the actual districts themselves are far more polarized republican districts are more are, are more republican Democrat areas are more Democrat there's only about four or five actual swing districts across the entire state on this map which is why the Princeton gerrymandering project gave it an F for competitiveness that's right it's it's a non-competitive map that will only seek to create uh, a 102 101
2: vote on the board on the floor of the house which is not what the people of pennsylvania vote for well what i think is interesting too is it not only dilutes rural voices but it also dilutes urban voices that's right and because the only way that they get to the outcome that they're trying to get to is by splitting urban centers and that's what the point i made
1: to, to selena and i thought she she did a good job in that article is this is not just about rural voters rural and urban have actually had a lot more in common. We've talked about that before sure. mm-hmm. uh, in some respects and on some areas of public policy. You know, we're the ones fighting for more educational choice, right? Because, but it, in in the suburbs, things are a little bit different. You know, you right. normally typically have wealthier people, the schools are better. I mean, it's a different kind of, of lifestyle. But, that being said, what it does to both rural and urban communities, in my opinion, is it limits their voice. Because they are no longer going to be represented by a single entity. They're going to be split up. Right. And, and that's not good for democracy. It's not good for for those communities. It's not good for communities of color. It's not good for the Latino community. It has a great you know, deal of, of consternation right. with this map right. and nobody's right. talking Their about some of these deluded. things right, right. and then yeah. and, and these are things that we need to bring up that's so it's not just about rural republicans it's about you know the the urban settings it's about uh the communities of color that have an interest in making sure they have strong
2: representation it's just a flawed map by a flawed process uh, and i think it's become very political and you know just this week there was a house republican policy committee hearing here in, in central pennsylvania who's at the upper allen township building which is in cumberland county and and what I found interesting, you know, in three hours or so of, of public testimony from community leaders from all across Central Pennsylvania, I heard very little partisan discussion. What I heard a lot of was about how communities were being torn apart, how how longstanding traditional communities of interest were being torn apart and separated, and grave concern for what that meant for local planning, for local uh, you know transportation and infrastructure projects and emergency services, emergency services, and and you know I mean I live in Cumberland County and I think that that Cumberland County has a really good story to tell it was the fastest growing County in the state and when you hear Mark Nordenberg talk about the fact that well gee you know this is all just about population change and that's what what caused this map to change so drastically well then why didn't the fastest growing County in the state gain representation if if anything we're actually losing representation which makes no sense at all but look, it, it's a
1: political process. It, it always has, but it's always, it's cracked me up when we had the protesters in front of our office talking about take the politics out of map drawing. Here's what I'll say, and, and this, this <clears throat> any issue, you know, we can talk about this, not just this one, but when I hear people say, look, we want, we want outside, we want people who are not, IN THE GENERAL ASSEMBLY MAKING THESE DECISIONS. HERE'S THE THING ABOUT WHEN ELECTED OFFICIALS MAKE DECISIONS, WE HAVE TO ANSWER FOR THEM. Mm-hmm. WE HAVE TO ANSWER FOR THEM FOR THE PEOPLE WHO SAY, WE WANT YOU TO GO BACK AND DO THAT JOB AGAIN. Right. WHEN YOU HAVE PEOPLE, AND I'M JUST GOING TO USE THE CHANCELLOR, YOU KNOW, NORENBERG AS AN EXAMPLE, THE ANSWER TO NOBODY. And, AND SO THE MORE PEOPLE, WHETHER IT BE BUREAUCRATS OR OUTSIDE VOICES WHO ANSWER TO NO ONE, MAKE THESE KINDS OF LIFE-ALTERING DECISIONS. You're going to have consequences, and so you know. I want the people in the room who know what they're doing, who who understand the process, and who, quite frankly, have someone to answer to making decisions. And because right. this is not just about whether you're going to get you know chocolate or raspberry, you know, at the, sure. at, the at the farm show. Like this is going to alter communities uh, and the way that they they're represented.
0: But I think it's I think that's that is a a, a very salient point because you know the way that this map was drawn it was clearly drawn there was all this time and effort into hearing from communities of interest before the map making process got even started those communities of interest are not reflected anywhere and as a matter of fact one of the things that you're hearing from the people think well this is just drawing maps right it's a it's a it's an exercise in lines and numbers these communities are with all of their vigor trying to say about how they have made plans about how they have gone into shared services about how they have developed their communities of interest which might be two or more municipalities or one municipality even mechanicsburg which was one borough in cumberland county two and a half mile borough split in half said we have fire services on either side of the town that are going to be split now so now who do we go to do we talk about this is not just an exercise in lines and numbers the reason that some of these maps in the past have looked the way that they are is because they take into account the way that these communities actually act and function and and can do so in a cohesive manner that reflects the needs of these communities are seriously worried about how their interaction with the state government will go forward as a result of the decisions made in this preliminary map
1: this is a very weedsy issue right redistricting Mm -hmm. the talk about it people won't feel the effects until it actually happens right and that's what we're trying to make sure that when it actually happens it's not that that chilling effect that it has on on communities all across the
2: the commonwealth. Yeah, and I mean you know and I think it's not just the house democrats who have been playing games here but it's also you know their lord and and the person that they worship tom wolf you know on the congressional <laughs> maps he's made it absolutely clear he has no interest in even doing his constitutional job of sitting down with the general assembly and negotiating a map i don't know what he thinks the end game is here or or what the outcome that he thinks he's going to be getting to you know the Supreme Court just last week uh, said that they were not going to take an expedited review on the that was this week but that, that was this week on the lawsuit that was filed by Hillary Clinton's lawyer Mark Elias yeah. to try to get the court to draw a map so I you know I really think Tom Wolf needs to sit down with Seth Grove and 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 negotiate a map I mean oh, that's the
1: best thing we can do is, is push the map out of the house that we have which I think is very thoughtful which uh, our state government com- committee put a lot of time and effort into uh, including taking suggestions from somebody outside who's been a part of this process, Amanda Holt, the you know the infamous or the famous uh, <laughs> piano teacher, which is a as a piano guy, I'm I'm very happy that yeah. uh, she got involved. But again, that's that's the way the process should work. You're taking input from outside, but at, at the end of the day, it's the elected officials who are making the decision. And I think what we have is a good product. We're going to hopefully kick it out and and make sure that we can get that to the Senate and see if we can get this done. I mean, we have a job to do. And no, I'm not saying everybody's ever going to be completely happy with, with a map of any kind. And I'm not saying that's the standard. The standard should be, did you take into account your constitutional responsibilities to try and, and make sure communities were represented in the best way possible? That, that
2: should be it. And uh, if you can do that, and you can say that with a straight face you should be able to get it done well actually uh, speaking of the Supreme Court over the holidays uh, there was a very welcome decision from the state Supreme Court in a case in which you were one of the lead litigants in your personal capacity as a father That's Do you want right. to give us an update on that
1: yeah i mean we we saw that the supreme court ruled in in favor of making sure that any kind of a mask mandate or or some of these mandates were local decisions but what they really said was you can't use the infectious disease control act of 1955 which was meant to meant to stop you know the spread of venereal disease for crying out loud (laughs) you're not going to be able to go back to that act and basically do everything you wanted to do under your state of emergency powers right and that's what the key was uh not only was you know did we win that lawsuit Gang, it was unanimous.
2: Right, right. which every, is something.
1: Every, uh, I, well, it's the first time I believe it's the first time the Wolf Administration has lost at the Supreme Court level, and to do so unanimously, I think speaks to how far they had gotten a field of what they you know should be doing. And again, it's about using
0: that Infectious Disease Control Act, and 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 I just I couldn't believe they did Fortunately, for the first time, I think in the last uh, at least seven years, the Supreme Court actually applied the law to the facts, and they got you know, <laughs> right. to the right decision. Right. Well, uh, Look, I mean, and I think you could argue that
1: that's how egregious that that original order was. I mean, they completely disregarded the regulatory process, completely disregarded uh, the will of of anybody out there except themselves. And I think it it just goes to the arrogance of saying, we know best and we don't care what anything or anyone else says. And even then, the Democrat Supreme Court had to step in and say, look, this time you've crossed a bridge that is a little too far uh, over the water. And I, I I think that was a great, yeah, it was a great decision. Um, because it was the right one and at, uh, the, end, right? at okay. the end of
2: the day all of us want our kids to go to school and be safe when they're at school that's not what this case was about it
1: wasn't about mass I want to be very clear yes the mass the. it was the impetus it was about because if, if the Secretary of Health could have used this act of 1955 which I right. love to just again remind people it was to stop the spread of sexually transmitted disease had nothing to do with quarantining or having uh, mitigation efforts on healthy people Right? That's what we're talking about. That's what this was about. It really wasn't about mass. Um, It was about, and really even to to a certain degree wasn't about local control, though that was an element. What it was about was the, the overreaching executive branch using something to basically get around the constitutional amendment that was passed by the people. Right. Saying no, no. This is the your your powers during a state of emergency should not be this. And now the state of emergency, quite frankly, is over.
0: Yeah, it was a test t- test case to see how far they could go. I,
1: that's the way I viewed yeah, it, and sure. that's why I thought that for for the Supreme Court to step in and say no, this is too far. Big win for the people.
0: All right. Well, we are at
1: uh, 17 minutes here. And, and that uh, was just a phenomenal... Wow, time flies when you're having yeah, fun. Yeah, it was right? very good. Very good. I thought, yeah,
0: great job, everybody. That's right, uh, Steve miss can eat your heart out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that, that being said, uh, this is uh, Ben, Generally Assembled. Again, your favorite Pennsylvania House Republican uh, podcast. And you can find this podcast where all your favorite podcasts are found, www.pahousegop.com slash podcasts, And for... Neil and Representative Toppler. Uh I'm Jason and we'll see you all next time.
2: We're out.